Hello and welcome to IMI's Talking Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Hugh, and today I'm joined by Fiona Buckley. I'm my associate and expert in the fields of work behavior, leadership, coaching, and mentoring. And today we're talking about how to lead virtual teams. With COVID-19, the majority of us have been forced to work remotely for the first time in our lives, while others are welcoming us into their experience. While in the macro sense, working remotely and leading virtual teams around the world is becoming much more common. In our conversation today, we'll be covering the current situation and how best to get through it successfully, and also give more general advice for those organizations that may see this as a way forward for doing things in the future, at least in some capacity. So Fiona, hi, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad, I'm very good. So we're gonna focus on two parts today, sort of leading virtual teams and then how to work remotely as an individual. First though, the situation at the moment is pretty unique. Um, What are you seeing out there at the moment? What's your general sense of where we are at the moment when it comes to virtual teams and, and working from home? Is chaos reigning, I suppose, is the question. It is, and I I think it's very, very company and sector specific, Hugh. I think some organizations that were fully fledged into agile working and virtual working are able to adapt much quicker. Those organizations that didn't have any structures of technology in place to deal with agile working are struggling much more because they're having to be very reactive and adapt very quickly to it. Mm. They also have nobody in the organizations that are used to working like this, whereas some organizations who have a specific cohort that already work from home they're really leveraging their um I suppose talent in terms of discussions and conversations and mentoring across groups because they're telling people you know how to win your day when you're working from home and things like that so I think it's very case specific with companies and different sectors at the moment that's out there but certainly um, I did my thesis on this topic virtual working in organizations five years ago and five years ago we have come an awful long way since then. If this was five years ago, I think we'd be in an awful lot more trouble than we are now. I think a lot of organizations have adapted that little bit more. Yeah. I, I teach on the IMI's Diploma in Leadership And one of the modules I teach is about uh, global teams and agile working. And I've been teaching this for years. And the very first year I did this, I used to do a show of hands about people who were virtually working. And, you know, maybe at a class of 40, you might get five or six hands. Mm -hmm. This year, um, I I did this uh, particular module again, and 50% of the class had their hands up. Wow. You know, that in itself, I know obviously it's a different group and so forth, but that in itself is showing that we're doing a lot more out there. So I think some organizations, you know, are okay when it comes to having structures set up. But obviously it's the anxiety of the greater economic situation that's going on that's really kind of, I suppose, pittering in on people's thoughts. And just uh, just to go to that point, is that change being driven by technology or is it being driven by sort of economic factors or people factors? I personally think people factors are driving it a lot through discussions with senior officials in recruitment agencies. They're very much saying that candidates are demanding flexibility and agile working and the ability to work from home. It's not necessarily a nice to have in lots of organizations. It's now a, I want to have this or I need to have this as part of my terms and conditions. And I think organizations are really having to adapt to candidates and to participants to get the, the top talent in the organization. Obviously, 
technology has been there, but many of the technologies out there now was there five years ago, like Sky yeah. and, and things like that. So I think it's more the attitudes at top leadership have changed. And I think the candidates at the other level are are really, you know, knocking the door saying we need to have this as part of our terms and conditions. And also, I, as you may know, Hugh, I do an awful lot of work with the women in leadership space and I teach on a couple of the IMI women in leadership programs. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to flexibility. And, you know, women returning back from maternity leave, things like that, need to have some sort of agile working. And that one or two working from home days are often really vital for that person to succeed in getting back to work and balancing, you know, activities and, and things like that, too. Yeah, it's it's funny, actually. Um, um, my wife is working from home at the moment as well. She, she's probably using her time better than me. And she's, she's doing a course <laughs> online about about online communications. Yeah. And I've been listening in, and one thing that struck me was, um, in some ways, we're all part of virtual teams. If you email your colleague down the yeah. hall, you're part of a virtual team. Yeah. So it's not that big a transition as we think, is it? It's not, because you could be working in Dublin and, and your boss could be in London. So you actually, by default, have a virtual relationship. So people often think virtual working or, you know, leading virtual teams is all about being completely from home. It's not. It, it could be that, you know, you could be working Monday and Tuesday from home. Mm. And then Wednesday, Thursday, another team member could be working from home. You're part of what we call a virtual circle then or a virtual team because you're not always present there. So I think absolutely, Hugh, we're all part of a virtual network at the moment as it is. But unfortunately, the situation right now is just moving us to be more in a, in a permanent situation for a couple of weeks around this situation. Yeah. Okay, let's dive in. So um, I was going to take it from a couple of angles. Um, communications, coordination and culture. It was, um, it was something I, I, I saw online. I, it struck me. So let's look at the communications behind virtual teams first. Obviously, Paramount. Um, Firstly, on the practical end, what should be you should be looking out for when choosing a platform to communicate on? You know, a lot of people will be getting familiar with things like Microsoft Teams or Slack in the last few weeks. Do you have a particular recommendation or even guidelines of, of what you should be looking out for when you are choosing a platform like that? Yeah, I think the key thing, I mean, Microsoft Teams and Zoom, they're all very good. The key thing is you need to promote interactivity because that minimizes isolation. And yeah. one of the biggest issues when working from home is isolation. And isolation can be professional isolation, it can be career isolation or social isolation. And at the moment we're experiencing all of those three. Mm -hmm. So you need something that you can have multiple screens. You need things where you can use polling like in Zoom, where you can ask questions out to the group and everyone can respond. So mm -hmm. the key thing for me is promoting interactivity. Perfect. And and then let's look at that structure. Um, specifically, how often should a leader contact their team? Not being too prescriptive, prescriptive, but what are the general rules we should be thinking about? So we have to be careful here because certain personality types are prone to micromanagement. Mm. And if a leader is very, very organized and loves their updates and loves checking in with people because they need it for their personality type, sometimes that can be perceived as too much or a lack of trust or a lack of autonomy when you're working from home. And trust is a very, very important pillar when we're looking at working from home. And people need to feel they are being trusted because if they don't have that trust with the manager leader, the trust therefore breaks down with the organization as a whole then. Mm. So I think ground rules and boundaries need to be set out with the leader and their team. And there needs to be two-way communication here, not a leader, I suppose, dictating what they think they should be uh, getting in terms of response and meetings and things like that. If people are not used to working from home, 
I would tend to say that the leader needs to probably check in once or twice a day until they feel that the team is fully fledged and operating fine. Certain people will really work well from home. Certain people will not. If a leader has a lot of extroverted people on their team, like take a sales team, for example, usually you're going to have a lot of people in a disc profile, personality profile of being kind of dominant and influencing Mm -hmm. style. They can really struggle with working from home and need a lot more adaptations and say an introverted group of people. So it all depends on the complement of your team, how well you know your team, how long you're working with them. But I would definitely give them the chance to say how how much they should be uh, getting in touch. And, and, and just at a very basic level, when you talk about that in extroverts, is that just attention? You need to give them a bit more attention. So it's what we call validation. Um, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a personality practitioner, so I do a lot of work around personality. So ex, I'll give you I'll give you an example, right? If an introvert is running a marathon. Yeah. The introvert would probably go and run the marathon and tell you maybe a few weeks later that they ran the marathon. Yeah. If an extrovert is running a marathon, they'll tell the world about it. They'll tell them all your progress updates. They'll say, oh, I ate a banana and take a picture of themselves and yeah. offering their 10K. They'll give you all the progress because they want that validation back. They want you to go, well done, Hugh. You're, you've done your 10K now. So they, they, what we call, need a lot more validation than introverts. Introverts self-validate. They're able to do it themselves, whereas extroverts want that pat on the back and they want someone saying you're doing a great job perfect and just to be clear here we should actually write out these rules and guidelines and and sort of share them with the team um i'm not so sure i think it depends on on the leader i wouldn't say there's a one size fits all here Mm. i think it just means getting on a group call and saying okay what way do we want to work now in the next couple of weeks what works i think the more informal it is possibly the better because you don't want to have too much stringent policies so i think informal probably would be better perfect um, in talking about centralized or decentralized communications when you're talking virtually, how much control should a leader have over how their team communicates? Or maybe control is the wrong word, maybe visibility. Mm-hmm. Should a leader encourage as much interaction as possible over multiple platforms or try and keep it centralized so they can sort of see what's going on? So I think they need to have some level of instant messaging available so people can have organic, informal communications. Yeah. When uh, Before I set up my own business four years ago, I was working in a virtual organization myself for four and a half years. And we had a business kind of instant messaging virtual communication tool and also one that's more personal. Yes, the company still paid for it and they owned it and they could, I suppose, go in and see it anytime they wanted. But it was about promoting interaction at an informal and organic level between your counterparts. So I think both is very important. So would a general rule sort of be provide as many ways of people interacting privately collaboratively but then sort of maybe check in regularly to see what yeah not, not too many because people get overwhelmed don't they so you, yeah. you kind of want to keep it simple but you want to have two i suppose avenues that they can have a more of a professional touch point and then more of an informal touch point because we're we're, we're kind of endorsing a lot of people to go and have like a social conversation and a cup of coffee with someone at the moment yeah. to say oh look at 11 o'clock let's break for coffee and have a chat they want that chat to be like you have a chat in a canteen don't they so yeah. it's about promoting that as well that they can do that and of course you can just pick up your regular phone and facetime someone on your own software too don't be crazy fiona i'd never i'd never just pick up the phone <laughs> and call somebody i know um, we're terrible. We, ne- we don't see that enough. And that's the problem. <laughs> Actually, funnily enough, it is something that uh, it's it's happened a lot more over the last couple of weeks is just quick quick phone calls. But I suppose it's it's almost the same as popping your head around the door of someone's office or desk. 
Exactly, exactly. And accessibility is very important when you're working in a virtual team, that they feel they can still, you know, rock up to someone's shoulder and tip and go, hey, can I ask you about this? So that's yeah. incredibly important. Obviously, we physically can't touch someone on the shoulder. So what, what means are we putting in place as companies to allow that? Yeah, and I want to jump into that later. First thing um, before that, I wanted to ask you about... Um, we're all, we're all recently working from home or, or a lot of people are, are recently working from home. They may not be set up perfectly, so they may have a lot of distractions. Obviously, at the moment, a lot of people have kids. They have nowhere to go other than the home. So what should leaders be doing at the moment? Uh, first, for that individual, should they be just saying to them, yes, I will accept less productivity from you in the coming weeks? I think what it, the word I'm trying to use out there is accommodation. So yeah. what accommodation are organizations, leaders and managers putting in place to help. So if you take a, an example of a family right now, you could have a husband and wife or you know two husbands, two wives, whatever the setup is mm -hmm. at home. And you could have maybe two kids as an example. If both people are trying to do their day job in a professional work from home and manage kids that they might have to homeschool or they could be younger, yeah. which demands more time. What, what's happening out there now is a couple is sitting down on a day to day basis and saying, right, here is a non-movable meeting that I have to do from 10 to 11. Can you take the kids? And it's a barter yeah. negotiation that's happening every day. Once you do that with whoever's at home, then you got to go back to your manager and your organization and go, look, these are my blackout periods today. Yeah this week I cannot move them because unfortunately so and so has to do this call and it's really about laying out those but unfortunately Hugh a lot of people aren't communicating they're just getting very overwhelmed out there at the moment and they're trying to you know say oh if I do this I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job and things like yeah. that not going to happen. Organizations, from what I can see, are being incredibly supportive. So communication is absolutely key here. It's not necessarily less productivity, but it's probably reducing goals and reducing things that we're working on right now. So it's qu it's quality rather than quantity. That's what I'm kind of trying to say. Yeah. And, and then how does the manager manage that within the team? So obviously, you know, there could be a single person that is working at home and is able to do everything. Um, whereas the other person is not able to contribute for normal, even though they're probably busier than that person. Yeah. So what's the transparency? What's the communication? Again, the guidelines, because this is all very unique situations. It but is. What are the, the sort of guidelines that we should be keeping? It is, and I think you just have to really go by your values and principles of what's fair and what's reasonable. Obviously, it's not fair to expect someone who has different circumstances to take all you know the ownership on certain things. Mm. So I think if someone volunteers, that's fair enough. But I think we have to be very careful how we handle that. And there is no policy on this. There is no one way of doing this. But it's all about conversations, keeping the lines of communication really open, really honest, and talking with your people to see what they can do. But I do think organizations have to lay off certain goals and have to take the foot off the gas a certain bit because again you might be you might have no responsibilities at home you might not have any children but you could be suffering from huge anxiety over mm -hmm. the current situation therefore you're not operating on full productivity so it's not just people with kids it's your coping mechanisms and it's how you're feeling about the whole thing as well just to take a broader perspective and look at this although it will be applied to this current situation look at this in a broader sense how should you co conduct online feedback sessions and one-to-ones? Is there anything you should change up in your thinking? 
So one-to-ones can often cause issues when you're just back at base at the office. One-to-ones often end up being all about the job. It could be the latest project they're working on, a report, a deadline, a customer, and so forth. Mm. And I often say, even in the office when we're doing one-to-ones, it has to be about the person as well, how they're getting on. Do they need any accommodations at work? Do they need more support? The same thing applies when we're working from home. But we probably have to do more one-to-ones in the current scenario when people are working from home, more check-ins. So I would say more frequent, but maybe not as long. Yeah. So instead of doing a weekly or bi-weekly hour one-to-one, you might do 20 or 30 minutes every second day or something like that. The leader is going to know their people and you yeah. may have to put the foot on the gas for more people. You may have to take the foot off the gas for certain people, but it needs to be about how they're getting on, how they're coping with the current scenario. And some people will be fine. Some people yeah. will flourish in this and some people won't. And digging deeper a bit how about emotions um i assume it's harder i'm not actually sure if this is a fact or not i i assume it's harder for a leader to sort of ascertain the emotions of their team when they're only interacting digitally so should leaders make asking about a team member's emotion a sort of you know hidden agenda item in those one-to-ones i think it comes down to the leader's emotional intelligence yeah and a good leader with strong emotional intelligence is going to see this digitally or in face-to-face interactions because we've got Skype and Zoom and Microsoft Teams, we can see the person. It's it's not like it's face-to-face, but you can definitely see body language. You can definitely see cues and tone of voice, all that kind of thing. So I think by asking open-ended questions, that's enough sometimes to gather how people are getting on. But even if you say, if you, if you if I was on phone to you right now, I could say, how are you getting on, Hugh? How's it all going? You're, that's an open-ended question. You're probably going to tell me it's going great or it's not going so great. Um, I'll do the old Irish, it's great. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, open-ended questions as leaders are very good at doing anyway should be fine. I don't think they need to bring up the word emotion. They'll yeah. be able to tell. And using their own emotional intelligence and tapping into their emotional intelligence is absolutely key right now. And one big part of emotional intelligence is empathy. So leaders really need to use their empathy right now. And that corresponds maybe to the previous question you asked about, you know, accommodations that they have to make. And on the other side of that, where can we vent professionally when we're working remotely or digitally? I think it'd be very common for everybody listening, you know, for that you walk down the corridor, you pop your head around the corner of a trusted colleague, you let off some steam and then you go back to work. How do you do that in a digital world, especially when you haven't built up that trust? So it, there's a concept called swift trust when we talk about virtual working. And what swift trust means is it's temporary trust in a temporary scenario where an organization has had to change its structures temporarily. So it's about us all saying, OK, I don't necessarily know you very well, but I'm going to have to pretty much give you some trust here. And by nature of human dynamics, we either trust people or we don't trust people. We tend to be one or the other. So we have to deploy swift trust when we're working virtually. A lot of people tend to do like when I was working from home in my last corporate job, we used to do a happy hour digitally. So at four o'clock on a Friday, everyone would dial in with a beer or a glass of wine. Not that I'm condoning, you know, have to drink or anything <laughs> like that. But everyone, you know, had a bottle of Heineken or a glass of wine and they had happy hour. Now, this wasn't recorded or anything like that. It was just yeah. people shooting the breeze. So, you know, I think the joke at the moment is people are making quarantinis. Um, yes. Yeah, you may have seen that going around and like they're, they're trying to make light of a very difficult situation, but you cannot replace interaction. Interaction is integral for minimizing isolation. We have to be able to vent. And if we don't vent with colleagues, we might want to vent with people we know within the sector. 
And there's a huge link uh, theoretically between minimizing isolation and encouraging networking within one's own sector when we're working professionally. So I can see like accountancy practices might be talking to each other, you know, things like that. And it's about talking to your network as well as talking to your colleagues. Is there any research out there about um, trust being built uh, in a virtual environment versus a face-to-face? Does it take longer, but ultimately it's the same? Is there anything out there like that? Yeah, so part of my thesis actually covered this. And when I was doing my primary research, a lot of the theory would have said that there was issues with trust. And Mm. it came down to things like people's, I suppose, experience in dealing with virtual people before. It looked at manager's own confidence levels as well because if a manager isn't confident themselves their interactions with somebody else aren't going to be necessarily promoting confidence so there's an awful lot of variables that wrap around trust of the parties that are there and it kind of comes back to that psychological contract between two people so theory would suggest that there can be issues with trust but in particular with my thesis and my study it found out it wasn't that people had very strong relationships with their managers which then promoted trust in the organization yeah, I've seen, I've seen similar stuff to that as well. Um, I want to move on now to sort of coordinating uh, between colleagues and within teams particularly. Um, one thing I found recently working digitally is one real advantage. It allows teams to make quick decisions over specific challenges. Um, for example, we're creating a series of infographics uh, and doing it online. It's essentially the same as all sitting around a room with it on a big screen. Yeah. So is that the way to go? Do lots of small calls during the day? In terms of just coordinating tasks and projects rather than interactions. Yeah, like smaller calls are always better when working from home than larger calls, especially to accommodate anyone with different circumstances at home. Our brains kind of go through 90 minute cycles where we're at heightened focus and heightened productivity. Mm. And after about 90 minutes, which is long, um, then our productivity and our energy drops off. So if we can even do a meeting in 30 minutes or 20 minutes and we're not full of other meetings back to back, our productivity and our heightened focus tends to be big. Like Zoom technology is fantastic because you can do whiteboard and you can have everyone's ideas been thrown on just like it's actually in a real room. So I think coordination, it's definitely scheduled meetings have to be a must there. You can't just pick up the phone and say, hey, everyone, can you hop online? That doesn't work so well when you're working virtually. So I think if you have a series of smaller meetings, that always works quite well. I think people's attention span drops after about 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, In in general, comms in a lot of organizations is is very formal, uh, at least on the surface level. If you're operating solely in a digital landscape, what can leaders do to create spaces for informal communications? Maybe even, you know, God forbid, a bit of humor. But What I do wonder is if everybody moves to a digital platform, does that informality suddenly get cut out and all that advantages that it that informality brings? See, the thing with informality is based on your personality type, introverts don't like all the banter and the small talk. They just don't, in fact, right? Extroverts thrive on that and they love that and they say, how was your weekend? All that kind of stuff. So I think it's based on the person. I think it's based on the team. And I think it's based on the leader who's leading that team to make that decision. I don't think it's a one size fits all. But I think we have to have a balance between formal and informal communications. And with the informal and formal, it has to be two way. In my studies with my thesis, I found an awful lot of organizations with the formal communication was all one way with no feedback loop into it. When you're working from home, there's always going to be more of that out of sight, out of mind syndrome, where you feel you're not putting your stamp on things. 
And if you're only part of formal calls, that out of sight and out of mind grows exponentially. So by having informal outlets, it means it's accommodating everybody and it's making sure we're including everybody. So if you want to take part in informal, you can, but you don't have to. Yeah, it's actually something we've experienced. We have a, 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 a channel that's all about walking and talking and just people post up their pictures of what walk they went for that day. Mm-hmm. And that's now been used as a sort of informal channel almost. Exactly. Um, obviously, people need the right tools to work digitally and leaders should be doing their utmost to get it to them. But and there will be many situations like this right now. What if it didn't happen before, you know, the, the lockdown that we're in at the moment? What if your team member is sitting at home without a laptop or whatever equipment they need? What do you do um, and how should you be perceived, I suppose, as much as anything? And, and Hugh, this is a really apt question because it's happened to so many people in the last week. Yeah. There's been a, I've, I've come across it in, in, in a lot of organizations where literally they had no laptop, they had no um, VPN, maybe virtual network to, to log on or something happened. So it's happened to many people. And it comes down to that question, where does the responsibility lie? Is that the organization's issue? Is it a dual responsibility? Is the individual's issue? Mm-hmm. And I think it's largely up to the individual and the organization to have a discussion about, look, do they take time off? Or, you know, what do they do? Is there something they can work on that they don't need the laptop? Can they work from a home laptop? It's a, it's a security challenge. Yeah. And it's an IT issue just as much, isn't it, in terms of that? So I think a discussion has to be had around what can they do and certain things they might be able to work on from somebody else's laptop that don't breach any security or GDPR. And for that team member, you know, what should they be seeing from their leader? Should their leader be or their manager, should they be sending a, a message every day going, no progress, but I'm honest. You know, that sort of way. What's the... Absolutely. Because, I mean, the person sitting at home essentially is supposed to be working and they're not able to work. Mm. So the leader needs to be giving them updates on what they can and can't do and what the art of the possible is right now. And, you know, in this day and age, surely within a day or two, something can be resolved. Uh, but I know some organizations, laptops were coming from different countries and things like that, and they got yep. stuck and, you know, lots of different things that can happen. So it's a real agreement between that individual as to what's the fair and reasonable to do in those circumstances so what's the best way you talked about micromanaging a little bit earlier on what's the best way for leaders to ensure accountability in their teams without giving off that impression that they're micromanaging i'll give you a a little short story i heard from china while the lockdown went on and one manager asked their employee to send in a a picture of themselves every half an hour that was time stamped Wow. to make sure that they're working. So that's obviously one extreme. And then oh, the other okay. extreme is quite laissez-faire. Yeah. So where's that accountability? Is, do you have any tips, I suppose, I think would be the best way of asking? Yeah, and the only way to ensure performance and productivity is results, isn't it, Hugh? So mm. it's all about output, not time. And unfortunately, inexperienced leaders or inexperienced managers or leading teams would be nearly trying to check in at nine o'clock to see is the green light on on everyone's laptop? Is everyone there? That's going to fail. And because the people don't feel that they're being trusted or they don't feel they have autonomy. And to be honest with you, if a leader does not feel somebody is able to work from home, they're going to have trust issues with them in the office in the first place. Yes. It's not something, you know, it's not something that a work from home actually promotes. It's already there and it should have been a performance issue dealt with already. Mm. So my advice here is everything should be based on output. 
rather than the time because you and I could be doing the same job Hugh and then you could take an hour to do it I could take two hours to do it because it's just the way I approach something so we all operate very differently so outputs and results is the key thing there and knowing the personality type so again certain personality types are going to be much more prone to micromanaging than others and they'll know that about themselves anyway so I think the leader really has to check in with themselves and say okay am I being a little bit too rigorous here do I take the foot off the gas a little bit so it's checking in reflecting talking with the teams is it working all that kind of stuff you talk about outputs and actually it's one thing I've noticed over the last couple of weeks I've always been a bit like this anyway but I've become much more task orientated Mm -hmm. Uh, a usual day where I'll, I'll start the day thinking I'll be doing one thing I'll usually end up doing something else right now actually though every day is pretty much as expected is this something that happens with remote workers that they become more task orientated it again it depends on your personality type with this one but self-discipline has to be imposed when you're working from home but you can go one way or the other so some people who don't have that self-discipline will stay in bed longer in the morning they'll take longer breaks they'll feel very unmotivated and disengaged so it depends on the role you're doing it depends on your motivation and engagement levels Mm. it depends on your coping levels with what's happening in the wider sphere at the moment so there's lots of different variables there but certain personality types and we call them uh, agentic extroverts so people that are extroverts that we call agentic extroverts they're people that are very very self-disciplined very self-motivated very dogmatic and determined they work quite well from home because they're all about getting things done and ticking things off the danger i i think though of that is that you sort of lose the overall picture you Mm -hmm. you become obsessed with what you're doing that day and that week whereas you're not thinking about where we want to be next year yeah so how can leaders course correct that yeah, and that's a common thing that can happen. And it's what we call isolating from organizational strategy when you're working from home. Because you're working from home, we get into our own little bubble, so to yeah. speak, and we're focused on getting our stuff done so we can go off and have a little bit of fun or watch a movie and things like that. We become isolated from what's going on in the bigger sphere. So I think through team meetings and regular communications, leaders need to be have the antenna out on that and see yeah. what's happening in relation to this. If, the, or if an individual is constantly talking about themselves, and I don't mean talking about themselves by being selfish, I mean if they're constantly referring to their goals, their to-dos, and the team that the team kind of spirit has gone or what the department is doing, that's what you have to watch out for because that's the first sign that people are getting very siloed into their own bubble. Yeah. And and just uh, just quickly on that, do CEOs, should they be doing a, you know, a weekly address and just sort of reminding everybody of their... Yes, definitely. In, in our last corporate, when we were a virtual organization, we did a weekly all-hands meeting where the C-suite team and the senior team did an address. It mightn't have been a CEO every week, but it was certainly someone yeah. at, at the top level that they gave an update on what's going on, you know, and that really promotes inclusion. They also gave a shout out to any particular team or individual that did very well this week with, with pulling something together together yeah. now obviously they be very careful not to you know exclude certain people when they do that but i think an update we did an hour on a friday that reflected back from the week and the week looking at the week ahead then yeah perfect um i want to talk a little more long term now and specifically the culture of an organization how do you embed a culture digitally uh, do you have to change the culture itself are there limitations when you're digital only So I think if you start as a virtual organization, that's different to when you're actually moving more to a virtual organization. The last company I worked in started as a virtual organization. 
it was like that from the get-go. So a lot of work had to be done on that because what you had was lots of individuals working in their houses with no overall theme or overall umbrella. So an awful lot of work had to be due around the organization values and recruitment into that company had to really fulfill that as well, that they were the right people and the right fit. If you're already an organization that has a culture established and then you're moving digitally, that's not so bad because there's already a culture ingrained. But you can certainly keep the culture alive in calls and meetings and communications, very much so. Perfect. And what do you think, uh, you mentioned it there a little bit, uh, what, what do you think are the best ways to recognize employee contributions in a virtual setting? Is it that uh, CEO town hall? It's one of the few areas that actually strikes me as it doesn't change that much to real life. I'd agree with you. I don't think it does change that much because, again, like what you said at the start of the podcast here is a lot of people are actually working virtually if their boss isn't sitting beside them or is sitting in a different floor. So the same communications are going out. We probably just need to put more efforts into those kind of like newsletters or intranet e-zines, things like that, that are shouting out to particular teams or individuals. I don't think this changes much at all, but we always have to be mindful that every team or every individual likes to be I suppose, recognized in different ways. Some people yeah. love the the cheerleader pom-poms out and the big fuss, and some people like prefer really one-to-one um, contributions. And um, this is a question that really fascinates me. How do you recreate the cross-department chatter that happens so often in organizations and, and sometimes can lead to sort of game-changing innovations? I would talk to a lot of people throughout my organization that I wouldn't talk to virtually or wouldn't have the reason or opportunity to. Yeah. So with this one, you have to consciously put out meetings to cross collaborate. It doesn't happen other than that. So I'm sure you've heard of the whole hackathon methodology with some of the big kind of tech companies. So you can easily do some sort of whiteboard hackathon or group project cross collaboration kind of thing. But you have to consciously make a decision to do it. It doesn't happen organically. It's much more forced. But we still have to do that because that's one of the biggest downsides of working from home is that organic cross collaboration that can lead to the best ideas and innovation and so forth. So somebody needs to kind of take charge of that and make sure that's still happening. Perfect. Okay, let's end on the personal. So everyone's at home at the moment working, working remotely. We've we've probably read all those threads on Twitter or wherever, but let's let's go through it from our end. To be very unsophisticated about it, there are two basic personality types, the extroverts and then the introverts. So let's start with the extroverts that are probably currently climbing up the walls. What should they be looking out for? What should they be doing at home um, if they're new to working from home? Okay, this is an interesting one. So introverts are much more inclined to be suited to work from home because they love scheduled meetings. They love the space and reflection time. They don't require validation from others and they very much like following a schedule and they're much more creative in a quieter space. Extroverts, on the other hand, myself included. The issue with extroverts is we prefer variety in tasks and we enjoy bouncing ideas off each other, often going from one topic to another and thinking out loud and getting energy off people. That's very hard to, um, I suppose, replicate in a virtual setting. I'll just... um, I'll just give you some examples of what happens with extroverts and then I'll give you some adaptations if that's okay. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Extroverts enjoy spur-of-the-moment conversations, and they can often prefer that to schedule meetings. That's not there in working from home. Extroverts are often quite fast-paced, and sometimes the solitude that comes at remote working can be very self-limiting. And as we said earlier, they require a lot more validation, and they're often energized by the small talk and the meetings and the banter between the, the meetings and things like that. 
Extroverts also tend to be more creative in a busier space, not on their own. And the key thing with extroverts is they feel more energized and happy being with others and being alone for too long can make them feel unbalanced and drained. So what we need to do, and it's called adapt adaptations for extroverts, they mm -hmm. need to ensure to schedule multiple social interactions every day and top up these regularly, which in turn keeps them recharged to do the isolated tasks <laughs> at their best. Okay? As an introvert, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah. So it's topping up. It's like charging your iPhone, Hugh, right? So you need to really keep a handle on those social interactions. And if you're feeling drained, it's because you need more interaction. But also they need to play to their strengths because extroverts are very good at self-promotion. They're very good at networking and communicating. And they're very good at being not out of sight, out of mind, because they're happy to put themselves forward once they get the airspace to do it. I would, I would ask everyone to work from home to exercise every single day, but it's more important for extroverts because of the dopamine in their brains. They need the energy boost much more. And I often kind of when I'm coaching people and talking to extroverts that are kind of climbing the walls, you say at home at the moment, I say they need to check in with them, check in with themselves three times a day. And what I mean by that is three times a day, you need to say to yourself, maybe morning and after lunch and towards the end of the day, how am I feeling? Am I drained? Am I energized? Am I tired? Am I fed up? Check in with your feelings and then put some measure in place to counteract that. But when an extrovert is fed up at home, it's usually because they haven't had that daily dose of interactivity. Mm. And remember with personality types, we all don't fall into the introvert extrovert bucket. There's yes. two thirds of the population are ambiverts, which are a bit of both. And they're the best of both worlds personality when working from home because they can actually dance in both boxes. They can actually be both. So anyone who's an ambivert that can be a bit of both, this is your big uh, sweet spot at the moment. But remember, you can learn to adapt and flex your personality type too. I'm a roaring extrovert. Anyone who knows that and has <laughs> seen me teaching the IMI over the years knows I'm a, I am a big extrovert. But if I'm going into a board meeting for two hours, I, ha I have to flex to be an introvert. I can totally do that. Yeah. So we can all flex and we can all learn self-validation. So Extroverts that are working on projects and activities at home, if they're not getting that validation from their colleagues, what they do is they go on LinkedIn, they go on Twitter, they go and write an email to their manager. That's where they get the validation from. The key, the last key thing with extroverts to be really careful of is, is block off downtime because they're very fast paced. Yeah. And a lot of other kind of personality types like introverts would get more stressed from jumping from one thing to another. Because extroverts bounce from one thing to another, it's really important that they have that downtime to come, come off that adrenaline high nearly. And that's the same whether you're in the office or you're working from home. Super. And let's go through the introverts. Uh, you can apply quite a lot from what you're talking about extroverts, but let's let's talk about them specifically. So introverts, again, they're more creative in a quieter space. They need a lot of time to recharge between meetings. And that's where remote working really kicks in here. They have, they have much more time to recharge. They can choose to take a step back from that banter that can sometimes drive them crazy. And they can be much more in their own schedule. And they love depth of activity, whereas extroverts love variety. So if an introvert has a passion for this particular project, they love being able to go into that project in detail for hours at any person tipping on their shoulder, bothering them. So it's a sweet spot for the introverts at the moment. However, there's a couple of things they need to be mindful of. We don't want introverts to get social and professional isolation because they're less likely to jump on the phone and yeah. ring someone for a chat. That's just not in their nature. So we don't want introverts to hide behind that laptop and become a little bit more isolated than they need to. Because even introverts need interaction, mm. just not at the same level as extroverts. So that's something they have to keep in check. 
The other thing I would I would just be careful of is lack of diversity of thought. Now that sounds like quite a harsh term, so let me explain that. What I mean is because introverts love working away on their own sometimes, they love getting in detail into a project, they don't ring up people to ask their opinion on things. Therefore, they might get a lack of diversity of thought on a project or an issue they're working on. If they're in an office, they're probably going to get an opinion whether they like it or not. An expert will probably bounce along and say, oh, have you thought of doing this? And they're going to give them something anyway. They're less inclined to get that at home. So it's about maybe getting another pair of eyes on something and asking for that. So make sure that lack of diversity of thought doesn't come to play. The third thing just to be wary with introverts is this out of sight, out of mind thing that we spoke about earlier. They're more inclined to slip into that because they might not be vocal enough at meetings. Yeah. And we all know like introverts in face to face meetings often get shot, shot, shouted down or shut down by more dominant personalities. The same thing happens on remote calls. And in fact, it's actually worse because it's much more easier to be a little bit ruder on yeah. calls than it is in face to face. So I'm saying to a lot of the introverted people that I know, make sure you're not out of sight, out of mind. Make sure you've been vocal on enough calls and have something to say. Even if you have to plan what you're going to say well ahead, have something to say and don't slip into that background because somebody's talking a lot more in the calls. And, so, and presumably it takes scale of the, the leaders just to, to notice that, you know, person A hasn't talked in a long time. Yeah, exactly. But in practice, we're also busy. That often doesn't happen. Yeah. So introverts, in summary, introverts are more suited to work from home. Extroverts can totally work from home. They just need to deploy a little bit more adaptation to that. And... Uh, I, th- I don't think segregate is the right word, but how does a leader sort of identify, as you say, there's, there's people that straddle both divides. Yeah. How does a leader sort of say, OK, I'm going to treat this person this way, this person that way? Is it experimentation and then figure out what well, they like? A lot of leaders have done personality testing in their organizations. So the Myers-Briggs profile, Talent Q, DISC, any of those personality profiles, if they've been done in your teams, you already have the results. And if you um, haven't done those tests? If you haven't done them, you'll know from your interactions. You'll know yeah. the quieter people in your team. You'll know the vocal people in your team. And extroverts in a meeting will always be the first or second person to speak. Introverts tend to be the second last or the very last. So I think a leader will know their team and will ask them, how would they prefer to be communicated right now? What's too much? What's too little? The more you include people, the better results you're going to get. And uh, as I was saying, we, we've seen a lot of sort of like, here's how I work from home guides from people yeah. uh, that have done this for a long time. What do the experts say? You're an expert. What do you say? Do you have any couple of, again, maybe tips, general principles? So I call it how to win your day from home. And I actually do have an article on it, which you can share if you like. Um, So it's all about practical lips. But for me, it's about putting some sort of structure around your day. You can't just get up when you're working from home and just launch into emails. You need to put a structure around your day. And I think no matter what your personality type is, you have to have some sort of daily goals set in play because you need to have a structure. You need to feel at the end of the day you've achieved something. If you don't do that, you feel you haven't achieved something often at the end of the day. I said earlier, check in with yourself. How energized are you feeling? How drained are you feeling? Taking regular breaks and tracking your productivity. When do you feel like you're energized again? When you feel like you're drained? Establishing I suppose expectations or boundaries with anyone else in the house is very important and be very, very careful of procrastination. People working from home tend to be much more prone to procrastination and that fuels anxiety then. So I often say to people, look at what you haven't done that's causing you stress. For myself, as an example, last Friday, 
I wasn't sleeping because I knew I had to tackle this big report. And rather than just tackling it, I decided to push it into the next day and the next day because no one was looking for it, but even though I had to do it. So the procrastination on working from home is something we have to very much keep in check. And if something is causing you brain space, just tackle it and get it done. And then the last thing, which we kind of spent the last, I suppose, 15 minutes talking about is your personality type. Yeah. If you were to take one thing away from how to win your day from home or how to work from from home be aware of your personality type that is a huge player in terms of how you work final question we know that keeping healthy is our, our primary goal in the real world um what should we be particularly focused on during these initial phases of the crisis when it comes to our work is it our physical health our mental health or the work itself where's the balance that we should be looking for particularly during this as i said initial stages of the crisis so it's everything, really, isn't it? You yeah. have to look at your physical health, you have to look at your mental health, and you have to look at the work. It's all a balancing act, and that's what we were saying early in our conversation. It's about establishing boundaries with people at home and talking with your manager about what's realistic and what's achievable. People have to exercise every day. It is integral that we get out because there's so much play, there's so many things closed at the moment, and the weather is getting better. We have mm. to get out. The walk is just amazing what it does for your brain and yeah. your body and your mind so getting out I, I get out twice a day I go for a walk once in the morning and once in the evening at the moment and I'm one day I missed it and I did not feel good so simple basic things like getting out going for a walk and capitalizing on the fact that you have your own kitchen you, you yes. know cook the right meals supermarkets are stocked <laughs> despite <laughs> what people are saying you know I have a soup maker I have a smoothie maker I have a coffee machine I have all my stuff in the kitchen take advantage of that and you can be on a conference call and you can have a lovely casserole in the oven or whatever you want to cook. So, you know, self-care, do yoga, do stretching, whatever it is that you do, you could go running. Make sure you're incorporating that every single day, even if you have three kids and two dogs hanging off you. You have to do this, OK? It's so important. And then the work, of course, obviously, as well. But you have to do this because you will you will feel better. Yeah. And, and, and really final question, should leaders be openly, openly modeling that behavior at the moment? Yes. Should they be 100%. saying, I've just gone for a walk for an hour, I've just... A hundred percent, because they have to show that it's okay. And when we work from home, there's a guilt factor and there's a theoretical guilt factor to mm. work longer hours when we're working from home. Imposter syndrome also fuels when we start working from home, we've never done it before. Yeah. And as a result, you're less likely to go into a self-care plan. You're going to end up working because you're worried about what might happen at work. So leaders have to, if they can, of course, say, look, nothing is going to happen to your job this week if you can't give it your all. They yeah. have to show that that's okay and they really have to promote going for walks and I think one team that I'm working with in a client company at the moment they've promoted that you know the step challenge yes where they do all the steps I that's a fantastic idea so they're all making a little competition now saying how many steps did you get in today and they're promoting that it's a good thing to do and they're promoting a healthy competition and team camaraderie around it so things like that is great but also for a leader to show a little bit of vulnerability Mm. is okay like when I was leading my virtual team and we were all working from home I actually would say to my team sometimes I'm not having a great day today yeah there's nothing wrong with a leader showing vulnerability it's not it's not weakness it's actually just showing that you're authentic and you're trying to be real here yeah and people will appreciate that in the long run and if you get the, the truthful feedback in the long run then you'll be able to adjust better in the long run absolutely so Fiona, thanks so much for today. Um, I know it's a it's a massive subject that's sort of it's still new. Um, so I, I really appreciate you jumping in with us. No problem, Hugh. And if relevant people can follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram, I'm blogging a lot about this kind of topic as well at the moment. 
Yeah, and on that point, um, when you listen to this, the day after we'll be publishing a blog post from Fiona Buckley. She mentioned it, how to win your day from when working from home. So make sure to look out for that. Uh, Fiona, thanks so much again. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon, whether in person or online. Thanks, Hugh. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.